The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and this is my co-captain, Jim. Uh, I think we're running out of space. We are. Did you pick up some while you were out? (laughs) (laughs) It was on the list. Oh, this installment of Old Space Show concludes our episode by episode travelogue through season one of Space Colon 1999 Party Like It's, where the moon is knocked out of orbit, wandering through outer space, the population of its human built colony hoping to stumble upon a new home. Today, we are talking about the 24th and final episode of season one. The Testament of Arcadia. This episode. Finale time. This episode. Skeletons. This episode. Reflection. This episode. Top five episodes. This episode. Be sure to stay to the end. I appreciate that Shatnerian pause there in the beginning. That was very, very good of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, As a reminder, we are going through the episodes in the fan preferred production order, not the broadcast order as found on streaming services. As I began recording with Jim, we realized that this was the final episode of Old Space Show Space 1999, Season 1, and we were about to talk about the Testament of Arcadia, a day which we talked about an episode of television of an old space show. Jim was about to talk about the cast and the crew, and we were going to go over this. Okay, yes, there was a narration, as you mentioned. It was, but it was, the oh my God, this narration was uh, done by Koenig. We have the device of him writing in his journal, right? Mm-hmm. At the beginning. And the narration starts as he's writing in his space journal. It's a space pen during the space night. You know, <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. I had taken a writing class. And this is just the most, I don't know who, I know the, the, uh, we're credited with Johnny Byrne for the screenplay here. Director right? David Tomlin, but man, writer this Johnny is the Byrne. Most, man, this most overwrought narration oh my god through the whole thing it's just like and this death covered us like a shroud you know like and i just could not it just kept laughing at it as it kept going on and mm-hmm. on and like it was just and then he made the sandwich and the sandwich tasted like the ambrosia from the gods you know it's just like everything was just so hyperbolic and it's yeah. like oh my god which Honestly, why did they do the the previous episode had narration? It was Helena Helena uh, Ru- Helena mm-hmm. Russell. I went through every Helena before I got to Russell oh. there. <laughs> <laughs> and the next episode is 
coding narration. Like, whose decision was that? Uh, okay. And it's not like the narration adds to the storytelling in any way, because usually he is narrating exactly what we're watching. Mm-hmm. Like almost every time in this episode, <laughs> it's not like you know it's adding. This isn't an audio drama. This is a visual no. television show. <laughs> oh, show don't tell. Show don't tell. You right. know the the episode in question features the Alphans landing on a planet called Arcadia, where glyphs suggest it is the cradle of civilization from which life on Earth began. Now it's desolate, and Kodak feels it is unsuitable for colonization. Two renegade crew members have other ideas, however and take Helena hostage in their demands to settle on Arcadia. And we mentioned director David Tomlin, writer Johnny Byrne, and our guest stars, Lisa Harrow, who's done lots of TV, and she was in The Omen 3. We've had plenty of Omen franchise alumni in this this show. I've noticed that, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Orso Maria Giorini, uh, he's an Italian actor. You can imagine why he's here. He was in The Conformist. And he was in an Emmanuel movie, uh, lots of Italian television. The Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dennis Rodman pair-up action movie double team. And he was in The Born Identity. So. I like how you say he was in an Emmanuel movie. <laughs> it it could have been any of them. Who cares? It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was one of them, though. It really you was. you were a kid <laughs> and it was coming up on Cinemax, you didn't care what the title was. You saw That's Emmanuel. Right. As long as like, everybody was asleep. <laughs> And if it was in manual and space, right. you were in luck. That was the best ones. <laughs> and, really? I missed that one. There was a TV series called The Manual in Space. I'm this, sorry, I missed that. Yeah. This episode in the original <laughs> broadcast run was 23rd. So it was second to last. So it was almost in its spot. The last episode was The Last Enemy, which we talked a couple weeks ago, the one with the space vixens. Right. That was a strong episode because, you know, space vixens. Yeah. Uh, and it had the word last in it. So, yeah, uh, well. But they give the testament of Arcadia here. As we m- mentioned, th- this this episode comes from the journal of Commander John Koenig. <laughs> oh, and we need to uh, also stress it's Arcadia with a K, not Arcadia with a C. So, this is not about the Simon LeBond and Nick Rhodes spinoff band from Duran Duran. It's not Arcadia. My wife mentioned that when I said the name of the episode to her. Oh, okay. No, it's not that either. Clearing it up. Speaking of random tangent, this is our last one, so I'm going to go on a random tangent. Jim, were you ever disappointed when you went on like like a trip or went somewhere and you saw the word arcade and then you never found a machine and then you found out it meant mall to some places or shops? I had that happen a lot when I was a kid. I would see, oh, arcade, where's it at? Where's it at? Oh, it just meant... An indoor place with shops around. Like, that's not fair. And what actually, I have, a, I have a short, quick story about this. My grandmother, when I was a kid, was like, We're going to go to the Euclid Arcade in Cleveland. And I said, Oh, great arcade. I'm going to play some Galaxian. I'm in. Let's I go. Like those. Yes. And we went downtown to Cleveland. <laughs> and we went downtown to, downtown to Cleveland. The Euclid Arcade is this beautiful. Art Nouveau, wrought iron uh, and glass structure built in the, like uh, around the turn of the century. It's just gorgeous, and it's just it's an incredible structure. As an adult, I've been there, just marveled at it. But as a kid, I'm like, where are the hex asteroids, man? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that happened on so many vacations and stuff Ugh. with my family growing up, or just what going a- wrong part of town. It's like arcade this way, sweet. 
where's nope where are my games oh so awful but anyways it's been awful this narration we also <laughs> we find out uh Koenig does martial arts with that like the fencing gear type with the bamboo swords now I wish I'd come up with a uh, kendo yes I wish kendo, I'd come yeah, up okay. with a uh <laughs> wish you. I'd come up with <laughs> No problem. I'm here to help, buddy. I'm here, I'm here to help. Stupid white man right here. <laughs> came up with, I, I had a, uh, I, I wish I'd come up with this acronym sooner because it happens almost every episode. Okay. But this is an ACWNSB, which stands for another crew member we've never seen before. Yeah. This episode. Luke Farrow. Right? Because it's our guest star, Luke Farrow. And he is dubbed. <laughs> totally dubbed. Like this guy did not yes. convince anybody on set that his his on set audio should be used in the final product. No, and he has an odd he has an odd face. Yeah, like a long face, like uh, mm-hmm. he's got that seventy like stash. Like. It's good. They come across a planet that slows the moon down. <laughs> everybody we talk about the scene real quick yeah where everybody does the star trek lean and fall over thing we're like Whoa. nobody oh. was in sync nobody was nobody. in sync how many takes do you think they did that oh gosh how many takes do you think they did that scene because the, the take they went with they uh-huh. were they they all lurch forward right yes. yeah and then they all fall back and none of them are in sync like sandra's like a minute behind everybody and paul's already on the ground <laughs> you know, it's, it's a mess it's, it's, like, it's, it's it was anybody there to yell one two three and everybody go it's almost probably what it would really be like if it actually happened as opposed to the synchronized oh man oh. it was just funny to me I'm oh it like, was good yeah that's it's very realistic. And I love how during the emergency, Koenig stays in his kendo gear the whole time. He's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a new, it's a new, uh, he's still got his like weapon sheets. It's a new variant action figure. He can, he can have, you can take the helmet off. Uh, yeah. And it comes with the bamboo sword. But kendo. If, yeah. But if Ken- it's, but if it's Sean Koenig, is it really an action figure? Kendo Koenig. That's what it's going to say. Kendo Koenig. You need action. Yes. He's like, and he pushed the button. He's like, we're all going to be Koenig fine. The, I'm Life. pretty sure Migo did make action figures for this, this show. Mm. I, all I found, all is I've ever those, found is like uh, models of the ships and ship figures or ship, like, you know, toys. So the moon's parked outside of the planet and now they start slowly losing power. But this planet, as they can tell, is devoid of any life. Even though it's covered with trees. That bugged the hell out of me. Oh, it's well, a desolate wasteland. They had a holocaust, and it was yeah. totally decimated. And there's nothing left. This open wasteland. It's covered with effing trees and plants. Right. And there, it's even a plot point later. It's right. even a plot point later because they're well, I don't want to reveal well, the computer anything. Computer readings but, were old. Oh, and they, by the way, I just I, I don't mean to jump in here again, but they did they did have uh Mego uh action figures. Oh, okay from the show. I'm oh. looking at action Koenig, action Russell, and Carter, action right? Ber- action Bergman. Whoa! <laughs> I want an action Bergman. Oh, oh my <laughs> with reasoning action. <laughs> Oh, so uh, I'm of, sorry. I don't mean to derail, but it is our no, last episode. It is. Uh, on the eagle headed to the planet, Luke, he's got a 
giant space camera and he no- annoys the other new- <laughs> the other <laughs> the other newly focused crew member Anna Davis. So uh, we've never seen her before either. Nope. And he's got that yeah that huge camera. She really likes that huge camera. I mean, when they're on the eagle together, she kind of like falls asleep on his shoulder because yeah, I think she was impressed by the size of his lens. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Bergman and Russell say something wiped out the planet, but it's been long enough that life is able to maintain there again. And th- it's funny, like, Bergman's got this way with sure. him. Like, they're sitting there with these readout papers, and Koenig's like, so uh, what do we think about what's going on there? And he's, like, brunch. Oh, and he's like, oh, well, you know, it's going on. And, like, I feel like, Co- like Bergman feels like this guy that just makes shit up. Like, he knew about science at one time. But he didn't quit doing it, and he makes shit up, and everybody in the crew knows he's full of shit. But Koenig still buys into it, like, because like, he's just like he, he says stuff like, "Well, you know, if you you can make gasoline if you just you take coffee and then throw in some little rubbing alcohol, put it in, it should work." And everybody's like, "Don't, no, 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 no." And well, my yeah. favorite trope the guy that dressed this episode. I mean, since you're dressing that one. Um, Earlier, Kano says, computer's not a crystal ball. Yes. <laughs> That's probably my favorite it. line of the whole episode. I could watch Kano, uh, Kano talk about computer all the time because he's always got something witty and he just get, loves saying that shit. Get you a man who looks at you the way Kano looks at computer. Okay. Yes. That's all I got to say. There you go. Um, but I just want to, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, when they're on the Eagle and they're going over, it's like a 15 hour flight or something. I can't remember, 12 hour. So, they're like, get some rest, take a nap. So they're all laying there taking a nap. And you know, then they get up and they have like brunch while they're mm-hmm. going over the plans before they land on the planet. Do you yeah. remember that scene? Yep. Like they're eating eggs and drinking <laughs> coffee. Like, oh, well, maybe we've got to land over here. I don't know. We've been around the planet a few times. We <laughs> haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm just like, damn, they serve brunch on Moonbase Alpha? That's awesome. <laughs> yes. So after camp set up down on the planet, Conan gives an uninspiring speech about the fate of Alpha being in their hands. Uh, good to see one more of those. <laughs> Very we, on brand for Koenig. We then shift focus to hang with Luke and Anna as they scout their area and Anna finds some leaf. And they, as well as Bergman and Russell, find the planet is locked in... Here we go again. Stasis. Not stasis. 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 <laughs> They're bringing out the hits. And uh, then Bergman and Russell find the cave, and it's got skeletons at the table. Woo! Oh. Now, did you notice how many shots they took of these skeletons? Oh, man. They got like, coverage. There were so many. There was a whole, not only was there coverage, there was a whole sequence of the guy Pharaoh. <laughs> Like staring at a skull. It was mm-hmm. a shot of him staring, shot of the skull, shot of him staring, shot of the skull, shot. Of, it was just like over and like different shots of the skull. And I'm just like, why? What? Did they have to rent the skull? What's going on here? Someone was either happy with the set, the lighting, the costumes, the shot. Like something happened there. And they were wanted to show it off. We spent all this money on these skeletons. We're going to shoot them. God damn it. Damn it. We're using every <laughs> bit of it. Make it work. And usually they're not very pronounced in this show. 
but this commercial break was hugely pronounced. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Russell, because uh, Helen and, and Victor walk in there and they both turn and look at the skeletons and Helen is like, <gasps> and it's like, dun, dun, dun. it kind of reminded me of a telenovela uh, gift. Oh yeah. yeah. She's just like, <gasps> like clutching. If she had pearls, she'd be clutching them. <laughs> and it goes to show this was being <laughs> like, hilarious. they were totally intending this to be sold to an American market because well, I know BBC, but I don't. I'm not sure about ITV, but I think the British, their television breaks were between shows. They didn't take breaks during shows, and they still to this day they show their entire show and then they have their breaks. That's why their shows start at like 6:05 p.m. and things like that. But you wouldn't see like a intended commercial break like this on a British show. But I did notice I've been going back through old Avengers episodes season four of the avengers the first one with emma peel was the first one intended for american markets and that has tv that has commercial breaks in there here and there uh, as well but normally the british shows their commercial breaks were in between they would take long so you could get up between a show and go do stuff and come sandwich. back whereas right now it's all about not making you change the channel in the u.s right but this cave, they find Sanskrit, and Anna apparently can decipher it. So that's why she's here. Uh, <laughs> that's really, really helpful, isn't it? Right. What um, a coincidence that she could read Sanskrit. Yeah. Who would have thought? Luke looks oddly uncomfortable at the skeletons. Kano, Paul, and Sandra were left back at Alpha, and they have their little slick silver jackets there to keep them they all look, They're all dressed like Stan Mike. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> They're silver jackets. Those silver jackets are cool. <laughs> Get me one of those. Somebody. I'll, I want the Who's I want that? One of the blue Stop or the orange mark. jackets from previous episodes, but I'll take a silver one if that's all you can find. I need a Space 9099 jacket. I want to be able to learn to freehand in that font. Yes. That they write everything on. Right. And if I could freehand in that font I, from this experience, that would be the one thing I'd want to walk away with. Right. Here we go. Lessons. Helena informs that the skeletons are humanoid that died 25,000 years ago by radiation. The Sanskrit is a warning that the people of Arcadia caused their own destruction. There's a title drop during this. (laughs) Wait, wait. She actually reads the Testament of Arcadia. (laughs) They say that as she reads the one line I... I extracted it. I really enjoyed it. the power of one thousand exploding suns. I'm like, <laughs> oh man! Oh, uh, there's a plea in there to help us live again. They wonder how Earth people could be there, and Luke says the Arcadians are where Earth people originated from. They found oak and such on their search. Yep, and they were as they do a lot of skeleton shots, and she's reading that. They say that some of them left before their Holocaust. Right. And went to another planet on a ragtag fugitive fleet looking for a missing planet known only as Earth. So, you know, Shades Galactica here, dude. Yeah. Like humanity coming from the stars. A lot of things going on here that ended up in Battlestar Galactica. Right, yeah. But this predates it. It you does, know, yeah. By it's good, crazy. like three or four years. So someone's probably linked these together. There's probably some article or something. We're not the first, but it is really interesting. I had got that same vibe when I was. I was like, "Hmm, that's is this a prequel or is this like the other, like the sidequel or something?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although uh, uh, Admiral Adama, he's uh, <laughs> a bit more inspiring. 
than uh, what we we have here. <laughs> yeah, you can t- you can give a better speech. <laughs> and that goes to the Lauren Green or the Edward James almost version. Right. Either one. Now I want to talk about the sequence where the skeletons grow back their flesh. Are we up to that part yet? Uh, that was pretty cool. Well, yeah. The Anna and Luke witnessed Just them about coming to life uh, along with some funky yeah. chorus music right. that that reminds me a lot of Italian. Oh films. my god, the music. <laughs> Yes, it reminded me of uh, specifically the love theme from Diabolic. Oh, okay. <laughs> deep, yeah. deep down. That one. <laughs> but it was there a lot of ahs and, yeah. uh, you know, like like long guitar chords. And it was pretty great. And they were like nodding at the skull people. Yeah. And they, then all of a sudden they're in love. <laughs> it's trippy. And the, the voiceover says, Anna and Luke had their personalities profoundly transformed. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Yep. Oh, and then oh, they go man. back to skeletons. It's like they pressed the button at like the the, the theme park or something, yep. and it was like doo, 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 the, the haunted mansion. Yeah. Yeah. They all head back Very to cool. Chili Alpha to put Operation Exodus into motion. So it's like the fifth time. Yeah, finally, Operation Exodus. We're really going to do it this time, guys. <laughs> Movement of the people. The people are getting testy and fighting there with the power at 50%. Anna finishes translating the Arcadian text, and Koenig finds out that the odds of surviving on 50% powered alpha are greater than Arcadia. So he cancels Project Exodus. Like immediately, like Project Aww. Exodus was in motion for like thirty seconds in this episode. A minute, a minute, <laughs> double thirty. Everybody was psyched. Yeah, everybody got psyched and immediately unsyched all over again. But it lasts just long enough for Luke and Anna to hear that they're all going, mm-hmm. and then for them to hear that they're not going by the time they get back to Moonbase Alpha because that's that's. The third act, right? right? Luke and Anna petition Koenig to live on Arcadia, and they feel they were guided. And Koenig ixnays it just because just them would have to take half of their supplies, just the two of them. And Luke and Anna then oh, he sta- yells at them. Yeah, he, he does. Yell, no, he doesn't just ixnay them. He's he like out and out yell. Like first he walks in, and he's doing like the Picard the Picard face palm type thing. Like he has a really bad headache, right? Yeah. Then they say, "Hey, we want to go live on this planet." Blah blah. No. I was like, damn, Koenig, bring it down a notch, man. Bring it down about 20%, dude. Use that passion in your speeches, dude. Yeah, save it for the journal. Yeah. So Luke and Anna then stage an escape with Kano at Blaster Point to give them the combination to the protein store. (laughs) (laughs) And it's got a door labeled protein store. Protein store. Oh, and Anna stuns guys and gets in there and Luke decides to pistol whip Kano and make a scene about it, holding Helena captive and making demands. Anna is missing on the ship. Luke demands an eagle, a moon buggy, and three years of supplies. He cares not if everyone in Alpha dies. Reigniting life on Arcadia is more important. Koenig says, you have a deal. They take Russell with them. Yeah. And he yells at Alan. All right. He screams like he yells at Alan. Alan's like, "We can't give up the supplies." He's like, "Do it!" Like a uh, freaking child buff in a gift or something. Man. Right? It's like I'm surprised Alan took it. Right? He didn't get sucker punched in this one, so that was fine. Once everything is set, <laughs> set uh, Koenig asks for Russell back, but he says that she is going with them. Once they are out of range, they can have her back at a rendezvous point in space. In the Eagle, the two crazies talk to Russell about the purpose. 
she's like, you're going to a living hell. And he says, no, doctor, we're going home. And Koenig then says, all we could do was trust the words of fanatics and wait. That was in his narration. I found my special purpose. I found my special purpose. Gosh. Carter is the one following the eagle with the crazy couple on it and Helena. They dock together and release her. After it's complete, we find Koenig put a trace on the eagle and he sends out a squadron of them. As they launch, the moon begins in motion again and improving its power. He cancels the attack. He says they won't need supplies now that they have power. Yeah, how does that work? Do they have like the... Uh, what was it in Next Generation, the food creator thing? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because um, they put hydroponics on there before. I think they actually have to uh, grow their food. Wow. I didn't know how that worked. It was just like one throwaway line, too. He's like, oh, now we got power. We don't need all the supplies. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> you guys run into this crazy, funky stuff every week. You don't know what's going to happen next planet you run next to. You really don't need those supplies, huh? <laughs> But then, but then he makes like a huge deal about how Alan is going to make it back to the moon in time because the moon's hauling ass out of there. So mm-hmm. that might be why they didn't go back. Right. That moon, once it gets going, it really books, man. It cooks. Yeah, because Luke and Anna, Anna watch it from Arcadia and you see it passing over really fast. On Alpha, Carter excitedly welcomes back Helena and we get what we've been waiting for all season, philosophical pondering. And a monologue from Koenig. Oh, I thought you were referring to the passionate grip on the shoulder between Koenig and Russell. Yep. I thought he might kiss her there for a minute. I I got to beat it. I got a couple. But no, just. uh, I got to beat a sweat when I watched that. It was hot. Oh, the white hot indifference. Yes. (laughs) Oh, so I want want a shirt with that. The white hot indifference. (laughs) So the Koenig monologue goes like this. The seeds from Earth had been returned to their place of origin, and that for them, the myth of Adam and Eve now has a new significance. And while Luke and Anna have found their new beginning, they must have faith and believe that for all mankind, there is a purpose. Give us back our crap, you assholes. (laughs) Right. And and that is the testament of Arcadia. That's our conclusion to the season. What was the name of it? The show called The Testament of Arcadia. (laughs) It doesn't get old, trust me. It comes back around every time. It's a rule of threes. Rule of threes. I do. Rule of threes. And yeah, so that's how it concludes the. You know, it it actually works as a finale, I think. Mm -hmm. I I think it actually, as a a whole, it works as a good finale. Uh, The one thing, they did focus on two new characters, and like Carter took a big back seat in this one kind of i didn't have too much to do i mean he had his normal gripings and stuff and of course sandra nothing they oh they got the, they just left paul cano and paul cano and and sandra just bitch at each other on a ship but right well paul and the doctor get into it there for a minute because he's like damn it my patients are too cold oh, i yeah, need yeah. more power and medical paul's like f you buddy we're all freezing our tuchuses off in yeah. here you know but uh, Alan didn't get to punch anything this time. No. That was disappointing. But now, yeah. So now as the season concludes as a whole, Jim, what are your overall thoughts on the... Now that we now that we know... So we came into this like, yeah, I know somewhat of Space 1999. Now we know half of it. What are your overall thoughts? I thought the episodes that were good were better than I thought the show it was overall. Mm-hmm. And then I thought the episodes that were not were probably what I thought the show was to begin <laughs> with. 
Right. Does that make sense? So overall, that's a positive. And mm-hmm. I was on the fence, but I think I am looking forward to watching season two at some point. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I thought too, like it never, it wanted too much to be, I know we had a lot of 2001 influence, but it obviously wants to be the next, you know, pick up, you know, there's a, there was a desire and a hunger for more Star Trek during the time that the show came out and it wants to fill that void. But it, I think it kind of forgets some of the fun Star Trek could be. It wants to be a like super serious. Right. It's, it's like what the kids, the kids watching Star Trek grew up to be adults and grew up thinking what they were watching was completely serious when it was lighthearted a bit too and this one never we never had a naked time episode a triples like it never mm-hmm. let go it was always super serious all the time and i think that's it uh, needed right. a little bit and it, and it winds up being goofy because it's it's an older show but it wanted to be like this hard science the drama star trek and it pulls that off and like it does have some really good episodes in there. Do you think that, so you and I, for the people who listen, we would record this in three episodes at a time, basically. The first episode and this episode were recorded by themselves. I think we did three, 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 threes, and then maybe somewhere, I think one night we did like four, but they were done in blocks. Whoa, what a wild night that was. That was crazy. Damn. Good stuff, good stuff. Do you think it probably worked better for us because we were anti-binge with it and we did it slowly over the past five months? Do you think the show had a better effect than if we were to just watch it on your own and get through it in a week or so? I think if I had had to binge it, like if I had had a deadline and I had to binge it, I would have probably not enjoyed it as much as I did spreading it out. I also think the show really benefited a lot from being British because they were able to tap into like a lot of really good British actors. Right. That really was a plus for the show for me was the caliber of the uh, like guest stars and the actors and the general, you know, acting on the show. I think the major down point for me for the show is that I really don't think like Martin Landau is well cast as a commander. No, I don't no. find him commanding at He'd all. He'd be a great Bergman. Yes. He'd be an excellent Bergman. But I just don't find him commanding at all. That's probably my my biggest gripe. And then some of the shows that are weirder, kind of like we were comparing it to Star Trek earlier. Some of the weird Star Trek episodes really buy into the weird, right? right like the yeah. guy who, who was Apollo and held held the ship with his hand, or um, or uh, you know the Gamesters of Triskelion, right? Where they really like dive into weirdness. Mm-hmm. This one, when it would get weird, it, it seemed like it, it would either go really deep end weird or just stay in the shallow weird. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. Like, oh, uh, he's possessed by a blue light alien of some sort, or here's a group of immortals who live in a, a in a in a rock because their ship went through a time warp about 300 years ago, and, <laughs> and they're all yeah. immortal and they're trying to ponder their you know, like some of the episodes actually had some de- depth to them, and then others like, seem more in the shallow end of the of the pool, you know. Yeah, definitely agree there. Speaking of episodes, let's go through our top five that we have of the season. Jim, what's okay. one of your top five? They don't have to be in an order. Just oh, okay. Or just list your well, top five. To I'll list mine. Other... Yeah. Oh. Just yeah, go with your top five. I'll okay, off the top of my head, I guess. Oh sure. Okay, I Death's Other Dominion. The episode with Brian Blessed, like I said, the one I just referenced about the they're all immortal mm-hmm. and they're kind of uh, trapped in that uh, asteroid or whatever. So I thought that one was really interesting. War, War Games was good, too. The one with Leo McKern recently, the Infernal oh, Machine. Infernal Machine, yeah. Gwent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, um, yeah, the companion, companion. Ah, that one. 
uh, screaming and crying about his own death. I thought that was pretty great. Right, yeah. Um, the Last Enemy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Space Fixins. And I would have to say probably uh, Baylor, the one Baylor End of Eternity. Oh, the okay. Julian Sands. That was a really yeah. good one. I also had Death of the Dominion. I think that Brian Blessed episode was awesome. I had Mission of the Darians. Did you say that one as well? With Yeah, that was a good one. Joan Collins. Uh, yeah. War, War Games, that one was just right off the bat. That was crazy. Um, where I differ from you, I have uh, the Full Circle, the one where they like turned into cave people and they had the strange Oh, fog. right. I forgot. I, yeah. That I really liked how that was, the was exteriors great. of that, the, fe- the feeling where they're just outside for once, but it feels weird. And then I have Earthbound, the one with Christopher Lee that has like the Twilight Zone ending for Beardo. Yes. Really like that. One, I still, right, I will say, right. I want to mention that stuck with me still, and it was an imperfect episode, but I overall, I think I like enjoyed it because the ideas and stuff was that another time, another place where they run into like the moon splits in two and they go on that planet. Right. And like another version of them had been there for years. I, I there's something in there that keeps sticking with me, and I like it, even though it's got ma- a lot of problems. I do think that well, was a, a good. I attempt. keep thinking about the the beach party in the last oh, yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, like that was probably more. That's like a, one, a scene that I'll stick with. Paul the shrooms. Like, Woo, the, we're outside on the moon. It was a, it yes. was the, the after school special uh, Space Nineteen Nine where Paul did shrooms. Yeah, oh, two drugs and kids and space kids. Yeah, this had a lot of. I mean, it did have a lot of good episode. It had a lot of middle. It had, I think I had a bit too many middle of the road episodes, so hard to yeah. judge a lot of those. And Landau, just I'm, I, I don't mean to harp on this. I, I love Landau. I mean, he's in North by Northwest. He's, right. You know, Ed Wood, is, Ed Wood. Ed Wood yeah. is one of my favorite movies, but like I just don't think he's right in this role. I don't think he's like very no. has a very commanding charismatic presence like you know that what you what you would expect in right it's not like he's a, not giving it his all he's just not right for it right exactly and, and he gives very uninspiring speeches and i and, it, <laughs> and it's weird like barbara bain who starts out a little off but then grows into her character like i really yeah. enjoyed her after about six episodes she became one of my favorite characters on the right. show at, at first she was like look i'm doing medicine and now and then later she kind of had more of a character to do yeah, yeah she, doug really i mean she sank her teeth into a lot they get started giving her dual parts where she'd be a cave woman or she was the future self and she was having a lot of fun with it mm-hmm. and i you know and i think there's a lot there with her i really i enjoyed russell who who was your favorite character from this season Oh, definitely Victor. Victor, yeah. <laughs> all he does is like all he does is like shuffle around and BS and make stuff up. And he's like he's like Rick Sanchez if he had actually no like yes! Uh, yes! gizmos or anything. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. he's like a failed failed version of Rick Sanchez. Yeah. And I'm not even a Rick and Morty fan. Hmm. Yeah, I would say yeah. Bergman's probably my favorite. But Helena Russell made an uh, argument for me with that, and Carter was always fun to talk about. Oh, he Carter is great. It's kind of everything. Season two of this show, from my understanding, really takes a 180. A lot of the cast disappears from this season. Uh, I know Barbara Bain and Martin Landau stay. I can't remember if any of the side players stay. Like, I, I don't even think, I don't even know if Bergman's still around. You no, know, there's some, some slinky uh, alien lady who there has is, joins we, the cast, too. Yeah, she was in, uh, she was a guest in the Guardians of Peary episode. Yep. And she is a, yeah, she's got some facial prosthetics and stuff on. And yeah, so they like change out the cast 
And yeah, I don't I don't think Victor Bergman is is a part of it. No. Yeah, but it's a, it takes on a different turn. The guy who was the showrunner for Star Trek's third season comes on board here. Fred Freiberger. Yeah, and I believe he does a lot of what he did there here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was not good. What we have to look forward to. And uh, Jim, thank you for oh, taking yes. this journey. It was something I really was interested in when I was starting this show. I wanted to have something to explore these old science fiction shows and I didn't want to start it with anyone but you and you I luckily you were all more than for it when I explained you the idea so and folks Jim will be back um, I'm just trying to vary different people going through this but yeah no, thanks for I, hey I, I was I was more than more than pleased to be part of it and thanks for having me dude no, and, it was a lot of fun and I never I I created this segment of the Brandon Peters show as a one for me type thing and I am stunned at how many of you listeners have enjoyed this. Like it's been insanely popular, and I hope you continue to enjoy it show to show. Uh, we will return with Space 1999 season two, but for now, it's like whew, taking a break. We're gonna do a different program. But yeah, Jim, I the most thanks. We've recorded 24 episodes. We did marathons. We did a lot. You know, it's a lot of fun and you uh, i don't know if i'll find someone as champion as you but you will return uh, i'm sure i'm sure that whoever whoever's next will be just as good if not better and again thank you for having me i, I was a pleasure all right well that'll do it for this moon buggy adventure jim where can people keep up with your traveling moon adventures well, on the Taylor Network podcast, you can catch me every week on Nothing's On. We're about to record our 400th episode. That's going to be coming up, not this week, but next. If you want to go to Nothing's On podcast at gmail.com, wish us a happy 400. That would be awesome. Or ask us a question. Yeah, we'll read it on the show. We usually do. We have a lot of emailers, and we thank them for that. Also, on the Taylor Network podcast, uh, the Players Club, once a month we uh go uh, through the world of video games and uh, we have another episode coming up uh, probably about the same time this episode drops covering cyberpunk covering our top tens of 2020 covering hitman 3 and a bunch of other really great games uh, coming out in 2021 uh, so check that out taylornetworkpodcast.com i'm sorry for the long plug but also hhwlod.com we're coming back with the walking dead tv podcast next month as the show comes back so check that out at uh walking dead tv podcast at hhwlod.com thank you hashtag find your arcadia and i'm on twitter and instagram <laughs> at brandon4kuhd written work on com. there's more from the brandon peters show this week but from old space before I go, I just want to say you are fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And you know what? So was I. Co-captain? You expecting someone else? I, I, I... That's three eyes and one breath. Makes you sound rather e egotistical, young man. What's happened? Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. 
Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.